1: Listen, there's a link in my bio. Can you go over there and tell Congress to make this a permanent action? And please tell me how it's helped your family down there in the comments.
0: Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Madison Malone-Kircher. You're listening to ICYMI.
1: In case you missed it.
0: Slate's podcast about internet culture. Rachel, can I interest you in a delicious, refreshing carbonated summer beverage?
1: I mean, I love a nice cold Coke on a hot summer day.
0: Excellent. Well, then let me introduce you to this yummy alternative. It's, no. It's, <laughs> damn it. You have to at least let me deliver what you know There's is There's no alternative to Coke. <laughs> yes, there is. Balsamic vinegar and seltzer water. Okay, and it's
1: definitely not that.
0: <laughs> Elmo voice, balsamic vinegar. Uh, and a paper
1: towel roll. That sounds disgusting. I don't even really like seltzer and I definitely don't think I like balsamic vinegar with seltzer. Why are you doing this?
0: Well, because, as with most things, I found it on TikTok.
1: Of course, of course you found this demon spawn recipe on TikTok.
0: I'm going to play it for you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, my Pilates instructor makes this drink almost like every day, I think she told me, and it's a healthy alternative to a Coke. See, it honestly already looks like a Coke.
2: But, I swear to God, it tastes like a Coke, and it's healthy, and it's good for you. You guys should go try it out.
0: That's Amanda Jones, a.k.a. Mandy V. Jones on TikTok. She uh, just posted the video on Tuesday of this week, and it's already got almost 5 million views. And that number just keeps growing.
1: I feel like most of the people watching that are disgusted.
0: Okay, but some of them are me, who's about to try it. Listen, Godspeed. <laughs> All right, I have my cup. I have my straw. Oh, is that a metal straw? We're eco-friendly girlies in this house. Save the turtles, baby. And I've got I've got my ice. Next up, a splash of balsamic vinegar, Whole Foods finest store brand. Ugh, God. Allegedly a product of Italy. This I don't necessarily believe. <laughs>
1: So how much balsamic vinegar are you putting in here? Just like
0: a little splashy splash. Okay. I really have a newfound respect for my favorite ASMR artist. This is harder than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. And then the final ingredient is a can of flavored seltzer. Any flavor. Mine is le pomble mousse. Wow. Grapefruit.
1: I can't have that. (laughs) If you know, you know.
0: (laughs) yes (laughs)
1: hot ssri summer all year baby
0: (laughs) just gonna pour that in
1: madison this really looks disgusting
0: oh it doesn't even look like coke let me stir it let me stir it
1: okay sorry madison's stirring it madison's holding this up for me on camera it's A very light brown, not the color of Coke, but the color of... You know when you get a Coke at a restaurant and it's just ice and watered down Coke at the bottom and you keep going back to sip it because you're thirsty? That's what it looks like. It looks like watered down leftover backwash Coke.
0: That's not inaccurate. Look, uh, we respect all of you and we've learned our lessons, So I will not be making any drinking noises (laughs) on this here podcast. (laughs) So, uh... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> the OG my fans know exactly what we're talking about. We continue to apologize for that.
0: Here goes nothing. <laughs> okay, yeah,
1: it doesn't taste like Coke. Oh, Wait, you have to describe to me what it tastes like.
0: Well, I don't think I stirred it enough because it did at first taste like I had just stuck a straw into my bottle of Whole Foods is finest (gasps) balsamic vinegar. (laughs) This is
1: just giving me... Something about the taste of, like, raw vinegar just gives me full body
0: body chills. It tastes like vinegar, but not as vinegary as I thought. It doesn't taste as bad as I thought it would, I will say. Okay. But, like, I need more... Does it taste anything like Coke? No, of course it tastes nothing like Coke. And this is where I want to hedge a tiny bit and say that shrubs... Are a real beverage. They're these like vinegary sipping drink. They're yummy. They're like a little funky, a little sweet. They're usually, you know, carbonated vinegar drinks. So before you're like, but Madison, it's a shrub. Those are real. People drink vinegar. Stop. I know. Shrubs also usually include sugar and slash or fruit, which is also sugar. (laughs)
1: I mean, yeah, people drink kombucha, which to me has the kind of same tang as vinegar, the same kind of fermented Mm -hmm. tang. And it's incredible because it has
0: sugar. For me, the red flag is the Coke comparison brought to you by a Pilates instructor. Oh, no. no, Sorry. No. Sorry. No. 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 (laughs) I don't trust them. (laughs) It just feels to me like a a diet culture creep, right? It's Yeah. If you want to drink something that tastes like Coke, may I suggest
1: a Coke? If you don't even want all the sugar, there are so many options for you that don't have sugar. I mean, it reminds me, do you remember? I think this was last summer. Do you remember the nature cereal trend? Absolutely not. What? Oh, my God. So Lizzo also got involved in this. But basically, it was, like, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries in a bowl of, like, coconut water with ice. And people called it nature cereal. I'm trying the coconut water berry breakfast cereal I had blueberries strawberries, pomegranate coconut water I like ice with my cereal Mm. Are you ready to taste? Oh, it's good.
0: Nature cereal is just
1: cereal. It's fruit, it's just fruit. Just eat some cereal if you want. Like I don't understand the point of calling things that they're not. It's honestly one of my least favorite things as someone who has a restricted diet is when people say, "Oh, this tastes just like X, Y, and Z." No, it doesn't. Just call it what it is. Like if I want a veggie burger, I want a veggie burger. I know it's not going to taste like meat.
0: Stop lying to me. <laughs> stop lying to me tiktok if you're thirsty uh have a coke have a diet coke better yet a glass of water a gallon of water just don't try to drink it in an hour
1: (laughs) well that is thankfully all the time we have for absolutely disgusting beverages brought by diet culture slash tiktok because on today's show we're talking about other terrible things people on tiktok do which is getting paid for undisclosed ads
0: didn't we just do this episode Yes.
1: And we're going to do it again. We're in Groundhog
0: Day, and it's just ads all the way down. (laughs) (laughs) If this sounds familiar, it's because we just did an episode about how makeup company Jones Road has gone mega viral on TikTok and is um, quietly paying normal consumers to post undisclosed glowing reviews on TikTok. And it's not just the beauty industry. This week, we're talking about how Democrats are getting in on the action. Anna Merlin published this great piece in Vice about a PR company working with influencers to post pro-Democrat content on TikTok. After the break, we're going to be back with Anna to hear all about this messy, messy story. If you want to take this time to make yourself a little uh, Coke alternative, go for it.
1: Don't do it.
0: And we're back with Anna Merlin, a senior staff writer at Vice. Hi, Anna, welcome.
2: Hi, thank
1: you for having me. We are so excited you're here to talk about this incredible piece that you wrote.
2: Yeah, uh, that was a weird email that I got. A weird PR email, even in the annals of weird PR emails. (laughs) That is actually exactly where we wanted to start.
1: Um, So your piece is titled, A PR Firm is Paying TikTok Influencers to Promote Liberal Causes and Hype Democrats' Middling Accomplishments, which is a phenomenal headline. Middling is the perfect way to describe it. But you said in the piece that you got an email from a PR firm, and we as journalists receive, like, thousands of PR emails a day. When did you start to suspect that this was, like, a story?
2: Well, I mean, pretty much immediately. So the email I got was from a communications firm called Hone Strategies. And Hone Strategies is, in their words, led by veterans of modern presidential, Senate, and gubernatorial campaigns. So it's a bunch of, like, ex-campaign staffers who are now doing this politically focused communications firm. And they wanted me to write about vocal media, which is this influencer marketing firm. And specifically, the associate from Hone Strategies said, vocal media recruits, trains, and pays influencers to, you know, deliver messages about things that they're passionate about. You can't Mm. pay influencers, though, to do undisclosed advertising of any kind. Like, I think we all remember when this first became a thing from like the era when every Instagram model was suddenly really excited about like tummy tea and like diet yeah. pills and mm-hmm. tooth whitening. And so I think people know that this is like not a thing. So I asked to see examples of the videos that they had made in partnership with these influencers and noticed that none of them seemed to have any kind of disclosure as ads are being sponsored so then i went and like found them all on tiktok like they sent them to me just as video files and i was like okay well maybe there's something in the in the caption and there wasn't you know so i found all of these ads and they are ads despite what hone would later go on to tell me in that mm. these folks are being paid to promote something so that struck me as unusual but we also know that this is not like a new problem for tiktok
0: <laughs> it's one we shout about a lot here on the show <laughs> You yeah. know, could you
2: describe uh, what one of those videos looked like? So the one that really struck me was a guy on TikTok who is like a single dad of young children. And that's like kind of his, his brand. And I'm not being like snarky. Like he does a lot of partnerships with, you know, um, companies that provide like products for children. You know, Mm. that's his brand. Um, And he was washing baby bottles at his kitchen sink and saying, you know, as a parent, we all worry a lot about our kids. And one of the things we worry about most is daycare. That's why I'm so excited about the expanded child tax credit. A
1: parent's job is never done. And one of those things that is never done is us stressing about life, especially when we have littles and we're trying to figure out how are we going to pay for daycare? Because it's so expensive. Have you taken advantage of the extended child tax credit payments?
2: So this text. was pretty I obviously like a, a three, partisan three. position, hyping, um, you know, something that the Biden White House and the Democrats have been really proud of. And although it is a good cause, like it was still an undisclosed piece of political advertising. There were a couple of others, like um somebody with a Tesla account, was really excited about (laughs) more EV charging stations. (laughs) Hmm. There was a Taylor Swift influencer uh, talking about how Glenn Youngkin, who's now the Virginia governor, um, was the co-CEO of of a private equity firm that bought Taylor's master tapes. And then she had, like, um, captioning (laughs) on the video that was like, you know, we can't let this man be governor. Swifties, you know what to do. (laughs) Which is, again, (laughs) like, extremely clear. Political advocacy and it would be something that she would be totally free to engage in. But if she's getting paid to do it, then like it's a problem and it's a problem that TikTok is like remarkably clear about.
0: On behalf of Swifties, I apologize.
1: You mentioned that they're getting paid for it. Do you by any chance know how much did any of the influencers disclose or hone strategies?
2: Well, so there was a really good Teen Vogue story about this in either 2020 or 2021, and it specifically focused on the ways that political sort of entities were trying to partner with what they called micro-influencers, so people with fewer than 50,000 followers. And the reason why they did that is that it's, like, cost-effective, you know? Like, you don't have to pay people very much um, at that, like, level. Some of the people that I was writing about have, like, millions of followers, so I don't know if that allows them to drive a harder bargain. And if any of them are listening to this, I would just simply love it if you just return my email. (laughs) Please return
0: Anna's email. (laughs) We said so. I know. It's so funny. Anytime I get an influencer on the record about what they make, it's either some astronomically high number that blows my mind or they quote some low figure and I think, you need a union.
2: (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's really wild. And it is literally like the wild west out here. Like there's no pay transparency of any kind, let alone the kind of transparency that would lead to not having a bunch of undisclosed political ads. So yeah, no, it's wild.
0: (laughs) So you've mentioned these two different entities, Hone Strategies and Vocal Media. Can you explain Mm. the difference between the two?
2: So Vocal Media is specifically like an influencer marketing firm. Like that's what they do. They partner with influencers. And it became very clear to me that Hone Strategies was partnering with Vocal and then like a third party, which is like the political or partisan entity that actually wanted the ad made. So some of the partners that they mentioned were NARAL, Color of Change. Mm -hmm. I emailed both of those organizations and didn't hear back. And so, yeah, essentially it's like clear to me that Vocal's whole thing is social platforms and Hone has sort of like a broader reach and a broader view. They describe themselves as being sort of experts or having a deep understanding in what's called opposition research, you know, which is essentially um, creating like, embarrassing content about your political opponents or like digging up like true but unflattering things about them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you described the dad and the child tax credit. Were any of these TikToks
0: out of character from the people who posted them?
2: No. And I actually think that that's a good and important question because in my conversations with Hone, which, you know, they were saying like, we are partnering with creators who are passionate about these issues. Like one of the Creators is a native woman who is urging her followers to sign a petition to protect like a sacred native cultural site in Southern Nevada. Mm. So these were all like totally in keeping with the kind of content these people might make. However, as soon as you're getting paid to make it, you have crossed a Rubicon that is not allowed. But I will say that like there was nothing where I was like, why in the world is, for instance, this dad of small children enthusing about, you know, more EV (laughs) charging stations like they had matched message to message deliverer quite well.
0: Mm, Which is arguably
2: even shadier. (laughs) It's interesting because it's like I wondered and my editor wondered and we talked about this, like, would some of these people have done this without being recruited or paid or trained? Like, I don't think that that is out of the question You know, I mean, a lot of these were important causes that uh, impacted these people personally. So, you know, uh, there's a chance that they didn't need to be paid to do this. As savvy Internet
1: consumers, I'm speaking very humbly. Do you think that you would have spotted these as ads had you not known they were ads beforehand?
2: Yes, because of the incredibly wooden way in which the legislation was named or the sort mm-hmm. of like careful phrasing. For instance, like there was a video of a woman just celebrating Katanji Brown Jackson, like the nomination of Katanji Brown Jackson.
0: The Biden-Harris administration has just nominated its first black woman to the Supreme Court of the United States of America. And you should know her name, Katanji Brown Jackson.
2: Katanji Brown Jackson? It struck me, and I think it would strike a lot of people who spend time on the internet, as just a tiny bit wooden. The delivery was a tiny bit off. But I would not have been able to figure out where any of this was coming from or who was paying for it. As I was discussing with my editor, like we would have spent a long time trying to figure out what was going on with these ads had the people involved making these videos not just emailed me about it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I am just picturing like an influencer reading to camera and then, like, eyes diverting to, you know, a, a written-out name of a bill or a piece of legislation <laughs> to make sure they get it right. Like, that's the energy I'm perceiving here.
2: They were a bit better than that. Um, I don't know that everybody would necessarily peg them as being sponsored content. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what is so insidious about this stuff, is that when these firms or organizations are paying influencers to deliver messaging, like, influencers are very good, at selling stuff to their audiences and they have a high degree of trust from their audiences. So like, you know, if you love somebody's content, you watch it every day, you might not necessarily assume that they're turning around and making an ad. You wrote in your piece,
1: what is clear, however, is that Hone and Vocal are working in a highly specific gray area where FEC rules and TikTok guidelines don't quite reach. Can you tell us a little bit more about this gray area you're describing?
2: Yeah, so TikTok eventually got back to me about this, and they have some stuff that is very clear and some stuff that is less clear. So their advertising guidelines, and I'm going to read from some of what they sent me, is basically that advertisers and ad content have to follow their community guidelines and their advertising guidelines and their terms of service. Political discourse is allowed as long as it complies with community guidelines and is organic content. And then what they call cause-based advertising or public service announcements from nonprofits or government agencies might be allowed. So it's not that, like, for instance, a public health department can't get on TikTok and say, like, hey, everybody, please get your flu shot. Mm. That could be allowed. Or that an influencer can't work with uh, a health department to say, please get your flu shot, I did it. And what TikTok says here is that that kind of cause-based advertising or public service announcement is allowed if it is not driven by what they call partisan political motives, which is a little bit of a sticky thing. If you're talking about nonpartisan or bipartisan legislation, does that still fall in there? Um, and then mm. the other thing here is that advertisers have to be working with a TikTok sales representative. So like, in no case can you pay somebody to make content and not tell TikTok about it, which was sort mm. of what was happening here. But we also know that they are not the first and they will not be the last to pay influencers to make content. This has been a recognized problem for quite a while, really starting, I think, in the 2016 elections.
0: Well, on that incredibly cheery note, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back to get further into this gray area with Anna.
1: Hi y'all, hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening to ICYMI, then a welcome. We are so glad to have you here. In case you missed it, yes, that joke is made every single week. We actually come out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You're listening to Saturday's episode, and on Wednesday we talked about the musician TikTok hostage crisis. If you want to know what exactly that is, then I cannot recommend listening to the episode highly enough. All right, we are back with Anna to talk about the incredibly murky areas of undisclosed ads on
0: TikTok. The Hone Strategies founder uh, said something to you that sort of just made my eyes roll so far back in my head they may never return, (laughs) uh, which is that political ads are different from creators advocating on issues they are passionate about, which I just don't know how someone says
2: that with a straight face while you're paying those creators. I agree with him. Political ads are different from creators advocating about issues that they're passionate about. And the reason why they're making an ad and not doing advocacy is that they're paying these people. And we know they're paying them because they told me, you know. (laughs) But this has come up in much more interesting and murky ways. Before, one of the um, groups that Mozilla highlighted in their report was um, Turning Point. Mm -hmm. So Turning Point USA, their whole thing has been advocating for like conservative causes at the college level. And one of the things that they do and that they do very openly is they create Turning Point USA influencers. You know, they have these people representing them. However, they say that they're not being paid a salary uh, and they say that they're not being paid to promote specific content on TikTok. What does happen with Turning Point USA is we know from their tax filings that they have like a big budget that is going towards influencer efforts. And we know that once somebody is in their influencer network, they can do things like apply for travel stipends to go to conferences and whatnot. So there isn't this sort of direct, like, I'm handing you $20 and then you're going to make a video about, you know, how great deregulating the food supply would be or something. But it's a much sort of murkier, situation where there is almost a requirement for social platforms to evaluate what these influencers are doing sort of outside of their platforms and how their on-platform behavior ties in with a larger set of behaviors. And that's difficult. And that's not really how moderation on social media platforms works. They tend to just look at a specific piece of content and be like, does this break the rules or not?
1: Mm. It's really interesting that you bring up Turning Point USA. And also you said earlier in the interview that had you not gotten this email about vocal media, there's really would have been no way to tell whether or not these were ads or else it would have taken like a lot more work. right? And it kind of gets into the question of like paid ads are so rarely disclosed. And I'm curious whether you have like an idea as to why like FTC guidelines, which are kind of really clear about what you're supposed to do, are so rarely followed, especially on TikTok.
2: I think that there are increasing efforts to try to get them to be followed. You know, like um, TikTok introduced this toggle thing where you can mark a video that you're making as branded content much more easily, which they hadn't done really until Mozilla started asking them questions about this, but they did do it. But, you know, ultimately, if the influencer doesn't know what the rules are and if the organization paying them or offering them, you know, donations or gifts or something, uh, doesn't tell them, then there isn't necessarily a reason for, you know, a 22 year old making videos about how cool their Tesla is or whatever to know what these rules are. So it requires a bunch of people to both kind of know what the rules are and to act in good faith, which is not how social media works, generally. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, not how social media works, not how the world works. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Which was sort of the attitude from some folks when I published this story. Folks in the Democratic Party and on the left were saying, you know, well, conservatives do this, so why wouldn't we do it too? You know, mm-hmm. we have to fight fire with fire. And that was a somewhat common sentiment that I saw, and I find it really disturbing that that's kind of where we are. But there is definitely this sense out there that everyone is cheating, so why wouldn't we also?
0: Fire's a bad thing, y'all. <laughs> we, uh, let's, let's rewind. <laughs> the, the metaphor's inherently <laughs> ill-structured.
2: I'm from New Mexico, and so I can say that fighting fire with fire, like a controlled burn, can be very dangerous. It can burn out of control. New Mexico is literally in the middle of the biggest forest fire in our state's history because of a controlled burn that got out of control. So, you know, your intentions might be good, your your flamethrower might be really well-honed, and something still might go awry. Road to hell, baby.
0: Pave with good intentions. Mm. <laughs> also on fire.
2: <laughs> Probably.
0: Anna, did you come across anything in reporting the story that you uh, wish had made it in the piece but uh landed on the edit floor?
2: Oh, boy. I came across something actually after the piece went up that I'm very embarrassed that I didn't find, which is that vocal media was also offering TikTok users in Australia $300 to make anti-Scott Morrison videos. I did not find this. I wish that I had uh, Cameron Wilson, who's a journalist in Australia who worked for, I think, BuzzFeed and now um, had written this piece for Crikey. Again, just got an email from vocal media that was like, hey, do you want to make a anti-Scott Morrison video? Like, here are the guidelines. We'll pay you $300. My God. And again, like, Australia has really, really clear federal election guidelines. It's not gray at all. And then the email said, you know, we'll pay you $300 to make and post a TikTok video, quote, based on the overarching theme of Scott Morrison is too slow and always late. And then it said, this campaign aims to help shift the political discourse on TikTok. This goes to his essential character as someone who isn't quick to care and instead waits until it gets really bad to do his job. So this was, again, like extremely clear to pay users to make negative TikToks about the, I guess, now
0: former prime minister of Australia.
2: Right. Who is pretty unpopular anyway, especially among young people. It wasn't like, I don't think TikTok users were rushing to, you know, promote this dude. I don't I don't think he had like a strong base of support on that platform. Yeah. So um, I was sort of horrified that uh, I hadn't found this earlier because it's suggestive of perhaps a larger pattern. It's kind
1: of galling how willing this company is to actually email journalists and basically just tell them themselves for a practice that, as we've said, is kind of hard to figure out unless you, you know who's paying who.
2: The question that I had, and again, the question that we didn't get to because of the sort of nature of our interaction is like, does this work? You know, mm. like are these TikTok videos that to me seem a little bit wooden, are they working? Like, are they? Is there any actual way to measure their impact beyond the impact they have on the sort of fray of the social fabric? I would be very, very, very curious if any of the companies doing this—and I'm sure there are many of them—can point to an argument for why this works. An
0: upper. I love to end on an upper on this show. We do that often.
2: <laughs> I mean, we've gotten to
1: one of the core ICYMI tenants, which is everything is an ad unless told
2: otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I mean. That worries me, too, because I primarily write about conspiracy theories. And we know that exposure to conspiracy theories about climate change or voting can make people less likely to, you know, want to recycle or want to vote. It can be really sort of disempowering in a very literal sense. It makes people just think that it's pointless to engage in the discussion because the discussion is rigged. And so Mm. while I'm sure that everybody on an individual level making these videos or paying for these videos to be made is doing what they think is best, I think more broadly it might create much bigger issues than maybe they recognize right now.
0: Okay, that was actually a slightly more positive note than I thought we'd end on. Once again, this was Anna Merlin, Senior Staff Writer at Vice. Anna, thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Alrighty, that's the show. We will be back in your feed on Wednesday, so definitely subscribe. It's the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and review on an Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions, your disgusting seltzer recipes. We will also accept those via email. We are ICYMI at slate.com.
1: ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader, Madison Malone-Kircher, and me, Rachel Hampton. Special thanks to Kevin Bendis for helping us produce this episode, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP
0: of audio. See you online. Or at the Democratic National Convention. Undisclosed TikTok ads, yeah. just, you know, with less of the undermining of our democracy going on.
1: <laughs> Sick of being upsold at gyms.
0: My God